Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm dealing with ear sweat. Thanks. Yeah, it's got the headphones on. It's kind of yeah. hot in here. We have a heat wave in Chicago happening right now, yeah. and I've got the sweat inside my ears. Yep. So joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I wisely invested in dry fit headphones. They oh, wick moisture wow. away from your ears. Wow. Wicking yeah, okay. the moisture away. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice yeah. being me. Must be nice. Mm. Jed's got his Nike Pro Combat headphones on. You know it's I hardcore. do. Hardcore. When, when I go to the gym, you got the elliptical. It's like combat, y'all. Yeah. Every time right. I put on, uh, I have a shirt that's Nike Pro Combat. Every time I put it on, I go to my wife, who is a combat veteran tour. Well, I'm going into combat now. Yeah. 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 Which normally means like mowing the yard or something. Yeah. Thank Join you us. for your service. <laughs> Join us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Hola a todos y bienvenidos al espectáculo, say that. No. What? what? No. That's, that's just. I, uh, I actively Sabado. resent you. What's happening right now? Is he more, speaking in tongues? We're more the Sabado Gigante of the uh, Christian podcast. <laughs> Here's what's happening. Today. You know how we're in Chicago? Yeah. You know where, when this episode hits, you know where Lee is going to be? Where is he going to be? In Spain. What? Perhaps Barcelona. You've heard of it. Yeah. That's that's wrong. I actively resent your happiness. What on <laughs> earth? Jed, the thing on your face is a microphone. You don't actually need to yell. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying is, why are we shouting? But, uh, you know, I think that Lee's happiness is making me less happy. Yeah, this is what I'm to talking about. To be fair, about. you feel that way about everybody's happiness. That's exactly right, because what it is is, like, I was happy, then he came and took it. Yes. Now he's happy. Were you happy? Because you were complaining about ear sweat. Actually, I wasn't happy. On that, de- <laughs> on that basis, I declare a bitterness emergency. Bitterness emergency! Aren't, th- aren't most of them... <laughs> Lee, before we get into venting our spleen about being madly jealous of you, do you want to tell the people what it is you're doing? I am heading to Barcelona to be kind of a a support personnel for the Catalunian Young Life team as they do their annual outreach camp to high school students all over Catalonia, from Barcelona, Girona, different cities around there. Um, I'll be doing some leader training ministry leader training, and um, I'll be playing some of my songs. So to summarize, Lee is going to be helping young people come to know Jesus like a jerk. On vacation. (laughs) He's going to be working 18-hour days on that vacation like a jerk. In paradise. (laughs) Well, honestly thought you were going to say in Paris, like you'd already forgotten where he was going to be. Um, so given, given that we're, that we're madly jealous of you, um, what's actually happening, and this is, this is a good object lesson with jealousy. What's actually happening is Lee is going to go and seriously work like 18 hour days for about two weeks straight and help young people come to know Jesus. And I'm almost certain there's no air conditioning and Lee is amazing and just an unbelievably servant and hearted dude. That's all the truth. But the beautiful thing about jealousy is I get to ignore the truth because here, here's what my jealousy says is going to happen. Happen. All right. This is this is the picture of what's about to occur. Sandy beach. Yep. Sure. Bleach white sand. Yep. 
Right. Well, I thought Sandy Beach was the guy that uh, Lee's hanging out with in Spain. Well, he is hanging out with Sandy Beach. That's what the locals call him. <laughs> He's Barcelona's number one news anchor. Set <laughs> news at eight with Sandy Beach. A- everyone's wearing linen suits for some reason. Everyone's wearing linen suits. Yeah. Everywhere you go, someone hands you a drink with an umbrella on it. Right. There's I don't think that's box Spain. tickets to the uh, to the Premier League soccer games. A- exactly right. A limo right. just pulls up. You, the way it's timed is as soon as you finish your drink with the umbrella, a limousine just pulls up in front of you and takes you to the Premier league game right, right, just right, like right, that right, yeah 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 so your your drinks with the with the umbrellas in them which i think is a caribbean thing then a limo pulls you up and drives you to england where the premier league is don't let your reality get in the way no. of my bitter rage fantasy that's right this oh, is about sorry. me matthew sorry sorry so so Je- lee's being driven across the atlantic ocean in a limo <laughs> <laughs> And it's I can see why you're jealous. <laughs> Spoiled rotten <laughs> limo. Going to see the USFL play Air, in Spain. An airplane is just a limo with wings <laughs> and also wheels that when it lands. I think I think the key thing taking the Concorde over to Barcelona. <laughs> here's here's the bottom line is Lee's gonna have more fun than we are. Yep. He's going to eat better food than we are, yep. and he's a better person than we are. Yeah, definitely. And I just I can't have peace with any of that. No, I. It's like he's doing it intentionally to hurt us. Yeah, it's like he's doing it at us. Right. It's like in your face. Yeah. Going to Spain. Yeah. You know. Also, Europe. Yo- yeah, Europe. Okay. Well, yes, technically also Europe. We, not, not really also as much as as well as. We, you know, is this really the time? Yeah. For Europe? You're tearing the world apart, Lee Younger. <laughs> Let me tell you what else. Brexit. Brexit. Did you no. think about that, Lee? Did you think no. about, I don't even know what that word means. but It's related I'm throwing in it my in mind. There. You know what else? Slut shaming. <laughs> I'm just throwing out what? names of memes. I don't even know what these words, you know. That was the one you picked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need a, a jokey that? word for something I don't know what it means. Yeah. And that's sl- the one you went with. Yeah, it's good. I think that because that's like, isn't that like uh, when people go to Spain? Please don't guess what <laughs> slut shaming is on the podcast. <laughs> now is not the time for it's that. It's like when people go to Spain, they don't even care. Yeah. You feel jealous. Yeah. That's what's, they're, they, they, they're slay, they, you're like uh, feeling ashamed of your life because you're not in Spain. Yeah. Yeah. Lee, did you ever think about what your, uh, you know, ministry work and helping young people come to know Jesus? Did you ever think about what that would mean for me? Here, here's what it is. Spanish, leisure, unsensitivity. I know that's not the word, but I need this to work. Treason. Treason. That's what we're shaming him for. Yeah, that's right. like Well played. Treason shaming. That doesn't sound, that doesn't really run, roll yeah. off the tongue, but you know. Yeah. What, what do you have to say for yourself, Younger? Um... The last time I did this trip, it was so hot that I lost 12 pounds in two weeks. <laughs> oh, wow. So now you're making so us feel that you're in better shape than us, too. Yeah, so we're just fat. Go, I get Lee. it, Lee. Okay, just so here's, fat in Chicago. Here's what I'm saying. In going to Europe to go to an exclusive fitness spa right. Right. to lose 12 pounds wow. like that wow. to get ready for his beach body That's right. must be nice. Slut shaming. <laughs> Am I getting close? Are we, are we, no, we are making it harder to cut that word out of the edit, which I really appreciate. <laughs> well, that's that sounds difficult and troublesome. 
But this does mean, I, I assume, right, we're going to have an episode without Lee. You I know, believe wh- we shall be Leeless next uh, episode. How, could we, for the how would that even work? I, I Well, first of all, even though we wildly resent you for the very sacrificial thing you're about to do, um, we're under protest. Yeah, oh, yes, uh, definitely. Absence. I'm completely under protest. I'm under pre-protest right now. They're both saying that now because they're pretty sure they're going to forget in two weeks when we record that episode. Right. It, it could happen. The, I have the emotions now. That means it's true now, Matthew. It's true now, Matthew. But, but Lee, if we could get... Do you have a blog I can visit? <laughs> <laughs> Lee, if we could get... Like, like there's going to be three questions. If I can get three answers to those questions now, and then we can just like fly it into the episode later. Right. So okay. just three kind of you know ministerial things, just bada-bing, Yeah, bada we don't know the questions yet. We try to pick them pretty close to record time. Okay, so here we go. Um, you should totally go for it. Yeah, it's good advice. Yeah, that's, that's real good. good solid. Advice. You really sold that. That's I good. think that is good. You should always go for it. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. good. You ready for another one? Yeah. Hit yeah. me. Based on Proverbs twelve, no. Oh, that's good. Whoa. That is very good. That's really I, really solid. That's exactly what Proverbs twelve says. It really is. It really so, is. Yeah, that's real good advice. I don't know if you can top those two. Do you feel like you have another in you? I think I think I think I can let, let me stretch real quick. Okay. Um, Don't strain anything. Okay. Okay. Um <clears throat> ready. Okay. If I had a little more information about your story, I might be able to give a more detailed answer, but you should probably just let me give you detailed advice from now on out. I'll just tell you what to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nice. Extra Christian earnest points for use of story. Yeah. Well, I think we've got our bases covered. I mean, you know, we're super resentful of right. Lee. Which won't lead us to flying in that uh, you should totally go for it on the inappropriate question at all. <laughs> that's right. I'm thinking about telling my wife she should work out. You should go for it. Well, that's a controversial wow, Lee. opinion, Lee, but wow, I wouldn't yeah. dream of censoring you. Yeah, that's right. So, so we're resentful. We've gotten that out of the way. We know how we're going to punish Lee. Well, we haven't Lee. gotten out of the way as much as we've acknowledged it. We've acknowledged it. We know how we're going to punish Lee. We've got that covered. Yeah, that's uh, important. We've, we've uh, pre-protested uh, the, the not good real episodes that Lee will, will miss. I think we've about done it. I'm, I'm ready to, to move on. Well, I I have one one more thing that I'm I'm dealing with, and this well, that's is, good because this segment's <laughs> going to be about three minutes short because of all the things you've been saying that I have that, to get out. With, <laughs> this is the other thing we had an emergency. This is a sub emergency. Please, we had an emergency a couple of weeks ago about uh, uh, Pokemon. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, which I believe is uh, Spanish for pocket monster. Yes. Let's go with that. Sure. sure. <laughs> and apparently... Nintendo, the largest employer in Spain. Apparently what happens is there are monsters that invade your pocket areas. Sure. Let's go with that. And... Uh, I'm less comfortable with that one, but let's let it ride. Uh, what happens is what happens when when Lee goes to the land of Pokemon... Right. And his general i'm using a polite term but his pocket areas right where he has pockets right is that in, a polite term yeah is invited is invaded right with uh monsters right from another world right a, a a uh virtual world right yes and they invade his pocket areas right 
this can't end well. Uh, yeah, it's already not ending well. De- demons. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear that. There's no possible way we can riff on that without it becoming awful. On that basis, <laughs> I declare awful. a bitterness emergency off. Yeah. Well, our our scandalousness got mixed in with our bitterness. There's what happened. Make yeah. Spain great again. Is that something? No. Sure, yeah, that's good. I like that. I'm just, re- I'm just. You know what I'm doing? They right? tried that. It was called the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> Fascism, right? Yeah. Franco. The whole. Here, here's what I'm doing. It's his, today. It's just stream of consciousness, man. Okay. Yeah. It's like jazz, jazz podcast. It's, it's, it's all the offensive things you don't say. That's right. That's, that's, where that's the right. That's right. That's right. That's the focus on <laughs> a real life line of defense. Glenn has used with his wife <laughs> think about all the things i didn't say <laughs> that's right <laughs> i thought a lot of really awful things i didn't say any <laughs> sure i said the ones that were like sixes sevens at worst that's right well of course lee will be overseas i believe he'll be overseas on august 1st but if you feel like you just need that little boost of a little extra lee younger in your life you can of course sign up for Bridgebox. oh yeah Come on, a couple bonus lee songs every month either ones he's written recorded or had some friends down there in tennessee help him out with that is only one of the many wonderful features you get on Bridgebox. You get stuff from jed stuff from uh, our friends pete and tasha glenn sermon my sermon uh some great tracks by our friend the pool house guru steeped in mystery but he ascends from his mountaintop studio to occasionally help us out and remix some sermons what we've been mm. doing recently which is a very cool thing. So all that for only $8 a month, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. If you want to sign up for that, all right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways you can get in touch with us. First question comes in anonymously at our Tumblr box, and it says, an age-old question. Assuming that they're around the same age, can guys and girls be friends? Whatever. My... Really? <laughs> <laughs> My boyfriend has a really close female friend that he, quote, hangs out, unquote, with mm. one-on-one, mm. and they share all kinds of things with each other, and he tells me that they're just friends, mm. but it makes me jealous. What is going on, and what do I do? Jed, help us out. All right. Well, uh, can guys and girls around the same age be friends? Sure. Um, functionally speaking, is that pretty dang rare? Yeah. Due to the theory of the multiverse, anything is possible. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's quite rare. I think the key question is, does everybody involved, you included, know what proper boundaries look like for all yep. of this? Um, because that's, that's actually where we run into a lot of trouble. Let's look at a, a slightly different situation, but I think it might help you in, in navigating this one. Um, your boyfriend, uh, you know, if y'all are in school now, then someday you, he's going to work somewhere and um, he will have coworkers that are female and he will probably have, you know, kind of work friendships, so to speak, with some of his female colleagues. That's, that's fine. That's normal. That's, that's no problem. The question is, what keeps that from being something bad and something inappropriate? Well, that's having a sense of, of proper boundaries. You know, I mean, if you, if you see Christy from accounting and she says, Jim, how was your weekend? And you have a nice five minute conversation about how the weekend was and, you know, we did things and, you know, cleaned the attic and whatnot. That's, that's lovely. If it's, why don't we take our lunch break and take three hours and really get into it? I want to paint for you the emotional landscape of how my weekend was. Well, that starts to get into, it's a different space, certainly. When I say I cleaned out the attic, I mean my childhood. <laughs> exactly. That's too much. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. The, the, the point is that there are, there are boundaries that, that 
the way that my wife Hallie would put it is there are left and, and right limits. There are things that are right out in either case. So in other words, if you're saying I have a significant other and they can have no friends of any kind of the opposite gender, that's too far in one direction. Right. Uh, that that's not that's not functional. That that doesn't work in life. Um, too far in the opposite direction is to say any kind of relationship uh, of any kind is fine, no problem. Not, well, that's actually not quite true either. That's too far in the other direction. There is a sweet spot of relationships right. that are that are good and healthy and make sense, and they're governed by proper boundaries. Um, and those are boundaries of the kind of things that we discuss. In other words, there are topics I would discuss with my wife that I would not discuss with someone who is not my wife. Um, there are boundaries of time spent. Right, a five-minute catch-up with Christine from Accounting on how the weekend one was is great. A five-hour catch-up is a very different thing. And then there are boundaries of context. If I'm having that five-minute conversation with Christine from Accounting, um, you know, at the water cooler, that's fine. If we're having it at a bar at ten o'clock at night just the two of us, that's actually, that's a different thing. So learning what the boundaries are and making sure that everybody involved knows what they are and agrees to them and is able to abide by them, that, that's actually how we keep all this between the ditches. So that brings us back to that key question. Does everybody involved, you included, know what the appropriate boundaries are for these relationships in your current situation? Absolutely. I think that's really the key here is that situation specificity. There's You, you open this with kind of a joke of this is the age-old question. Um, it's not... Because this is not a philosophical question about whether or not people of the opposing gender can be right. friends. This is a specific situation in your relationship where your boyfriend is hanging out with someone and that's making you jealous. Yeah. We actually don't get anywhere by dealing with the broader uh, theological, metaphysical implications. We get somewhere by dealing with the reality of it. And Lee, maybe you can walk us through that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first question that I would have on this is, if if we flip the situation, how would the boyfriend feel if you had, you know, a guy that you were texting all the time and you were Snapchatting and stuff like that and you guys had a lot of inside jokes and he had a nickname for you or something like that? How would he feel about – how would your boyfriend feel about that situation? My guess is not very pumped about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and And the reason I bring that up is that we have – just as Matt said, you have a very specific situation where in your dating relationship, you have something that has that, that is upsetting you, and you've said to him, this is the situation that's upsetting me. I'm uncomfortable with the way that, that you're, you know, with your friendship with this, with this girl. And there's only, in a, in a healthy, you know, dating relationship, there's only one correct way for him to respond to that, which is, um, let's talk about how I can you know, I can make changes so that you're comfortable with this. Um, the way that he's responded to it is, let me defend my friendship over here with this girl against you. Now, what we've done is he has positioned himself on a side with this girl and you're on the outside mm-hmm. of that. Uh, you're, you're not a team on the tug of war trying to find out how to have this thing be the most healthy, emotional kind of thing for everybody involved. Now it's them against you. And he's done that by defending his friendship with her. Mm-hmm. So whatever the, as just as Matt said, whatever the broader question is about can guys and girls be friends is already out the window because he has cast a vote and the vote has been cast for this friendship with this girl. Now, if he were listening to this, he might say, man, I, di- I didn't intend it 
my response to be that strong. I was just trying to say, this is where I'm coming from. But that's, you know, first of all, that's exactly the way it feels to you, is it feels like the vote has been cast for this other friendship rather than for the dating relationship that I'm in. And he needs to be able to see that that's exactly what's happening, is we've got to start with the way that I've made you feel. I've there's something that I'm doing that's making you feel a certain way. I need to address that rather than just saying you're crazy for feeling that Mm -hmm. The, the way that he's describing this makes you feel like you're crazy for feeling that. Now, obviously if you were to turn this thing around, if the shoe was on the other fit, the other foot, I'm saying dude would not be pumped about it. I mean, the, my, my deal is there's a lot of red card in this. Um, I don't think that the hanging out one-on-one and the, they share a lot of things. I mean, I've got all kinds of red flags on that in the first place, but specifically and, and specifically in the situation where you have expressed the way that this makes you feel and he's voting against you on the other side and for this friendship, not cool. That's not the way that should have gone down. Uh, that's a lot of great stuff. Jed, one more thing before we throw it to Glenn. You want to jump in. One thing, you know, Lee got me thinking, and I think it would be worth you thinking about because I think it, it affects the analysis. There, In a way, there are two separate issues here. Uh, there is what is inappropriate interaction for your significant other with the same gender friendship, and there is do I feel threatened by the current interactions. Those are actually two separate things. Mm-hmm. It's possible to feel threatened by interactions that are within the bounds of appropriate, right, and it's, sure. it's actually possible to feel not threatened by interactions that are way out of bounds, just right, just right. objectively. And what Lee is suggesting in terms of flipping it around and taking a look can help you navigate a bit um, kind of which of those things are you on. Because part of what you may want to look at is with your boyfriend's response, is he trying to say this isn't inappropriate or that you shouldn't be threatened by it? Because again, those are two separate things. And we, 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 we would assume that they would go together. We would assume I can look at a relationship and know if it's inappropriate and then I would be threatened by it. It. But it actually doesn't necessarily work that way in, in both exactly. in, in both directions. So we, I think we want to be cognizant that, that both of those things are going on, and we need to kind of evaluate both of them. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Glenn, I'd love to get you to take us out on this. There's something another kind of element to look at here, which is this is actually independent of the gender of the friend, but it is uh, kind of amped up as a cross-gender friendship. This idea of uh, priority in someone's mm-hmm. relationships, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can get just much, uh, you can get just much trouble if it's a guy going out with his buddies. Because, well, what is hey, we used to hang out, man? Is she mm-hmm. more important mm-hmm. than me now? The answer, of course, that being yes. yes. Yeah. And as we move toward the more serious the relationship gets, the more serious that is. But yeah. I wonder if some of this is reticence on our questions askers' part to, tr- as as Jed is saying, maybe trying to say. Is it okay for me to have feelings about this right. as opposed to I am, I have feelings about this. I mm-hmm, am jealous mm-hmm, about this. Mm-hmm. Then I can I take that to my boyfriend to try to work that out? Do I have a point? Yeah. yeah. And, and what and at what stage does whether or not I have a point come up in that conversation? Yeah. Right. And I think uh, can you speak to just kind of the way a healthy relationship dynamic deals with these kind of things as both Jen Lee saying are on some level are inevitable. Absolutely right. I, you know, I think really uh, what we're all saying is there's sort of two different uh, concurrent problems going on here. Problem number one is you feel jealous whether you should or shouldn't. Yeah. You know, okay. Well, here's the thing with that is um, uh, 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 that issue needs to uh, address a simple reality here, okay? 
Uh, and it's time for us to have a mature look at cross-gender r- friendships. I had cross-gender, uh, you know, female friends uh, when I was uh, uh, younger. They were a huge benefit to me in my life. I'm thankful to God that I had them and so on and so forth. Now, put me back in a time machine and, and, and go back to those situations, knowing what I know now and letting me observe those relationships of those friendships that I had with the young ladies at the time, a certain significant number of those ladies I actually wanted to date. Sure. That's why I was, quote-unquote, friends with sure. them. Yeah. All the rest wanted to date me. Yep. There was zero instances of... Platonic. Neither one... Yeah, neither of us had any interest in dating the other. Now, if you'd asked me at the time, I'd say, oh, no, she doesn't think of me that way. You know, she's mentioned several times, and that's not a thought. She was lying, and I could see it now. Again, as a grown man, I could see that now. Also, ask a married man if he has any female friends. Right. So just, just let's, you know, so, that, you know. Well, to that point, I, I do have female friends, but there's a specific context around that relationship. Right. Right. Um, Jane is a very good friend of mine. Right. But there's a context that governs the nature of that relationship. That's right. And and it's not like you have sort of a, a friendship with her that's sort of exclusive yeah. to your relationship with me or her or something exactly like right. that. Exactly right. So, right, right. you know, the, the, so it's, you know, we're looking at it through sort of that lens. But as we're looking at that, we're saying, okay... Your jealousy kind of has a point from the standpoint of a if you don't if you're telling me you don't want to date her, then we're telling you there's a good chance she wants to date you yeah. and you need to be aware of that and you need to be acting appropriately and not leading her right. on, et cetera, and so on. So I think that's the, the point on, on, on her part with the jealousy. And if that's the and if you have an issue with it beyond that, then that's a jealousy thing that's that's on you. Okay, but Let's talk about this dude now. First of all, if your lady says, I have a problem with it, we need to deal with this problem, not ignore it and tell her to suck it up. That's really important. Second of all, um, I get the feeling kind of from the way that this is being laid out, not not sure if I'm reading between the lines properly, but this sounds maybe like it's a bit more of a problem of the boyfriend needing to tell his female buddy, we need to hang out a little bit less because, you know. I've got this other relationship going on. I need to invest time in that. And, you know, yep. I need to, that's that's where this needs to go. Yeah. Uh, also, if this other gal that's, that's, that's uh, talking to your boyfriend, she wouldn't want another woman talking to her boyfriend like yep. this. So if she's doing that, that's, look, that seems to be a bit of a hinkiness uh, yep. situation happening there, to use a theological term. So I think, you know, there there is something not quite right here that he needs to speak up and, and address. He needs sure. to tell the friend, we can't hang out like we used to. He needs to tell his lady, you're right, I'm going to give you a bit more time. But he also needs to tell her, you don't have a reason to be jealous yeah. either because, I, you know, I'm I'm prepared to put you first. Absolutely right. I think one of the things we're, one of the underlying things we're dealing with here was, uh, is coming out in this situation is, there's no such thing in life, as much as we all badly want it, as I just add a thing to life and nothing else changes. Yes. This is not a situation where you say, well, this, you know, my friend and I used to go out uh, for dinner, just us before I had a girlfriend. So why would that, why would life need to change? Because life has changed. Yeah. It's not good. It's not bad. But that's, that's reality. You cannot yeah. have 
you, you, life does not work that you have what you have, then you add a major relationship element to it or job element or volunteer. Life is in a constant state of flux. And people don't like that. The four guys you're listening to, I can speak for myself. I don't like it. I don't like change at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm an old mm-hmm. white dude. The thing I like least is change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that is the hand we are all dealt here. Yeah. So um, that's part of kind of adulthood. That's part of uh, growing and maturing is mm. constantly uh, gauging those things and letting some things drop off and some things pick up and recontextualizing. That's, that's just life. And that's what you have to move towards as you, when we talk about building the kind of life you want, it's the building may in some ways be a misleading phrase because it's not just heaping a bunch of stuff on top of each other. It is a little more of this, a little less of that. And I spend more time here and less time there. And that's, that's the process we're all on, Yeah. but it does lead to a positive place. If you let the Lord get all up in that. All right. So move to our second question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr and it says, how important is it for a guy working toward or considering marriage to be able to provide financially for his future family? I have a good job, which pays well, but I'm worried about not being able to meet the needs of my future family. If a guy does not make as much money as other people or even less than his girlfriend, for that matter, is that a red flag in the relationship? How do we talk about money issues, especially because ego can come into play? Is there a biblical way of understanding all of this? Okay, so Lee, I'd love to get you to start us off. And these guys can get a little bit more into the kind of if I have a job that doesn't pay maybe as much as I would like and all that stuff. But let's look at this idea of you're a young person who is looking towards, you know, what role financial security is going to play in your life, particularly if you're a young male person. And we talked in the last episode about how um, women get a, a lot, a lot of messages of how they're supposed to look. This is kind of one of the flip sides of that coin. These guys get a lot of messages about the kind of kind of professional life they're supposed to have. Mm-hmm. So you've counseled a lot of kind of young men in this stage of life. So what are the kind of things you tell them? Well, one thing I would do is, and this is this is kind of drawing back a little bit from the question. Um, you, you said a very specific context for where you are, but there are a lot of folks that listen to this show who are younger than you, who are just starting college or are coming out of high school and stuff like that. They and folks are getting a lot of messages, not only about money and responsibility, but also about marriage and how quickly engagement needs to happen and all that kind of stuff. And I've gotten some specific questions about this kind of deal before. And I, I just as a way to draw back, I think it's important just to say for our listeners, if you're kind of in college or just out of college and dude trying to find your legs, you've been dating a girl for a while, you really love her and everything, but you're still kind of paying rent with a check that you get from your parents every month and you've got a job or you're looking for a job or whatever, but but you still need that boost from your folks financially, it is not time to propose to your girlfriend. Um, this is, uh, in other words, just to be very explicit, don't buy a ring for your girlfriend with money that your parents gave you for rent. Um, there, there is a, there is something that we're saying with that ring. It does say that, you know, I am going to now be taking care of you. And obviously that means that we too, as a team working together to make our family happen and to make the money happen and all that kind of stuff. But, um, if, if we're, if we're still kind of financially dependent on the folks and stuff like that, let's take some time and figure that piece out first. However, but moving on to kind of specifically where you are, I think one of the messages that a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of Christians are getting is that there's this, there's this Christian idea of saving up enough money to comfortably retire. 
And um, that's the that's the thing that we need to be doing is we take a certain amount of money and we're going to save it up every month because the goal is to one day comfortably retire, that this is somehow a super Christian thing to do. And you ask specifically about the biblical kind of answer to some of this stuff. And you should know that there is no biblical principle there as far as, you know, the most responsible, you know, you're only responsible if you have saved up enough money to comfortably retire. In fact, there's a story Jesus told where a guy did just that, and it's the only person in the Bible that Jesus calls a fool. And so you, and this all comes back to this idea of we're afraid. We want to have these principles and we hear these messages because we're afraid. And the idea is money can give you something to answer those fears. Money can give you a sense of worth. Money can give you a sense of peace and money can give you security. And the deal is that money can't do any of those things. Now, this isn't specific about marriage and these guys can break that down a little bit more. But the thing that we have to understand as we're looking at these things is that the the paycheck that you draw does not say anything about your worth as a person. It cannot give you peace or security. It's not something that we need to look at other people and compete and get into a race to figure out all that kind of stuff. If if the woman that you're going to marry makes more money than you, cheer her on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. you know, holy cow, that's amazing. That is a that is a wonderful and a lovely thing. And so this is a kind of deal. But if but if we're looking around in competition and if we're listening to those messages of uh, of what money can supposedly do for us, we're not going to be able to see this the right way around from the beginning. Uh, it's really a great place to start this off, and Glenn, maybe I can get you to speak to this, and let's even take this out of the uh, the gendered context, hey, of the romantic context. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of young folks, particularly we're in the middle of, you know, a giant global recession, but so there's uh, there's just a lot of people who are raised with just, there's just not as much money in the world mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. it was when our parents hit the same ages, so a lot of these right. kind of um, uh, milestones of moving out, of home ownership, of that kind of stuff of working the same place for however long and pensions, all that stuff is a little different. So how do we look at this idea of uh, responsibility, which is good. It is a biblical mm-hmm. virtue and stewardship mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Uh, how do we balance that out with kind of the reality of what a lot of young folks are living through right now? Well, I think, I think responsibility is the beginning and the end of it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's the whole thing. In other words, if you are a high school kid right now listening to this, you are responsible for uh, making some decent grades. You're responsible for uh, d- maybe doing some household chores, things like that. Uh, you're responsible for uh, uh, being good to your friends and the people that are close to you, helping out with your family and that sort of thing. And, and uh, beyond that, the Lord may call you to do certain things, help out with certain people and so on and so forth. Uh, that's your responsibility. If you're, uh, you know, the same thing will sort of extend itself into college. When you get out of college, you're responsible for finding a job. When you find a job, you're responsible for doing a good job in, 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 at that place of work and uh, earn your, your, your salary. When you get that salary, you're spo- responsible for paying your bills and all that. If you're responsible from, and, and that starts today, if yeah. you're responsible today, right. then that's it. That's you're responsible. Okay. But that's not where this question comes from. Here's where this question comes from. I'm in high school. Should I date somebody? No, because your top priority is making the best grades possible. That's the advice you're receiving. Right. 
And then uh-huh. you say, oh, well, yes. We can't all do sense. character voices, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so... Um, so okay. okay, so I put that off high school. I'm in college now. I, I'm in college now. I went to an amazing college because I studied all day, every day to get into this amazing college, which is absolutely no guarantee, as as Matt is rightly pointing out, that I'll get a decent job. Hello, but, friends in law school. How yeah, things? Yeah. So now I'm in this great uh, college, and I say, so now, Mom and Dad, it's probably time for me to start dating someone yep. because I'm nearly a grown adult, and I've never been on a date not yet, Jimmy. And this is starting to affect my development as a human being. No, no, no. You can't date now because you have to make the best possible grades in college in order to get a really good job. Right. And then you say, okay, I'm going to do that. And you get the best grades there are in college. And then you get that, you know, that situation where you're ready to graduate and get a really good job. So you say, Mom and Dad, it's finally time for me to date. And they say, oh, no, no, Billy, you can't date someone now. Because you don't have money to be financially whatever, whatever's, okay? Understand, when you get the highest paying job in the world, and you've gotten all the raises and all the promotions, they're going to say, well, you know you need to be a homeowner. Sure. It's, it, will, yeah. it will go Never on ends, forever. Man. If you're a responsible person, if you're handling your responsibilities, you're ready to date somebody. Now, right. marriage, as Lee is pointing out, is another animal. That's a different thing. And certainly, we've all seen uh, so many marriages have problems related to money. That's sure. kind of the main culprit, in fact. So for sure, if you're thinking, uh, if you're dating someone and you're thinking of marrying them, uh, then, yeah, you want to sit down and you want to really go over with a fine-tooth comb. What are we gonna, how are we going to pay these bills? Yeah. How are we, you know, it's a fact that two can leave, live cheaper than, than, than the, you know, together than they can separately anyway. So that's, you know, it's going to make more sense to put those finances together and, and live together and pay one rent. But uh, we want to know exactly how that rent's going to get paid and exactly what's going on. And, yeah, if you, if you want to put that marriage off until you have certain financial ducks in a row, that, that part makes sense. But, again, uh, what the advice that you're getting is if you start dating someone in high school, but you won't know about those finances for a married life until you're graduating from college— then that means you should not date in high school yep. because you would be dating this person for an unusually long period of time and, and, and all of this, and you'd be distracted from your grades this whole time, and you, you, you're not ready to marry them, so why would you even date them? Because you're just casually dating them now. And that's the, the worst, worst thing, thing you can world. do. Yeah, that's right. Okay, all that's nonsense. Look, first of all, almost no one would marry the person that they date in high school. So let's, let's get that part out of the way. Second of all, uh, there's nothing wrong with dating someone for an extended period of time. That's just what it needs to be. Uh, and young people need to work on themselves and develop this relationship. So I think uh, let's bring this back to reality where we're not looking for excuses for putting off dating, for putting off engaging right. in these relationships. Uh, the main focus, is, as Matt brought it to us with this question, is responsibility. Mm-hmm. If, you've been, if you've made good grades all up till now, if you've handled every set of responsibilities given to you at every stage of your life, you're ready to have an, a responsible adult relationship with a member of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, Jed, maybe if I can get you to uh, let's uh, address straight, straight head on the idea of these gender roles within marriage or society. Sure. 
Um, again, holding out from a previous iteration of social norms where maybe it was the ideal. We talked to uh, uh, Christianity Day's Caitlin Beatty about this a couple weeks ago, the idea of, you know, there was a very 1950s uh, beaver cleaver kind of thing of the, the man goes to a job and that's his responsibility. And then the woman keeps the home. And that's her responsibility. And all that stuff's been uh, really blown up and mixed up in the last 50 years. So a lot of people would say for the better, a very slim number of people with very precise haircuts would say for the worse. But there's this idea of, um, you know, biblically, if you're married, the Bible says you're one person. Yep. You are a flesh. You uh, have a joint bank account, all that stuff. So mm. what's this? Uh, I think we can all agree that the idea that uh, one person has to make the money and that has to be the man is a fractured way of looking at things. But how do we, what do we replace that with? What's the teamwork aspect on married and uh, relationship finances? Man, that's a great question. That's a great question. Well, let's, um, we're going to answer that. Let's answer a couple of preliminary questions on the way to that. Um, and the preliminary questions are, do you need to make a bunch of money? No. Right. You don't. That's right. Um, do you need to make more than your spouse or significant other? No, no. Um, you, you don't. Um, the, the odds that you would have jobs and you would make precisely the same amount is pretty unlikely. Right. So, uh, you know, one is going to make more than the other, so you probably figure out a way to be cool with that. But I love your question about purpose. And I want to answer one other question before we get to it, because I think it, it really is going to tie the whole thing together. Say that your spouse uh, makes more than you. Will certain people be jerks about that? Yes. Yeah. They super will. Yeah. As we discussed in our previous episode, there are certain people who are go to church a lot uh, who will find a way to be a jerk about anything. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's their hobby. I promise you from personal experience, people yeah. will be jerks about that. Yeah. And in yeah. fact, anything that you do that is not the... Graduate um, as a valedictorian, go to Princeton, get a job in finance, and then marry your high school sweetheart. Anything that's not that, there are people who are going to be jerks to you Mm -hmm. every step of the way. Guaranteed. So what do we do with all that? Well, I, I think the answer actually is what Matt was already driving at with a sense of purpose. A Christian marriage has a purpose to it that is bigger than the marriage itself. Mm-hmm. The point of a Christian marriage is to serve God more effectively together as a team than either of us could do as individuals. That is the point of a Christian marriage. Your finances have a huge impact on that. Your finances are a tool and a resource, same as your time, your emotional mm-hmm. energy, your physical energy, your relational energy. It is a, a tool and a resource to be invested at the Lord's discretion. Right. That's, that's what it is. For some people, that means making very little money because the work the Lord is calling them to do makes very little money. For others, that means making a lot of money but giving both very generously and very strategically. Um, and, there, and there's as many variations on this as, as you could hope for. But the Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. Um, if you'll permit me to paraphrase, I think that's true for marriages too. I think that without a vision, the marriage perishes. I think that it's very difficult to have a happy marriage if you and your spouse are not a team that is trying to work together to accomplish something. And if we have that, the finances will actually, our attitudes about the finances will fall in line. 
Mm -hmm. um, because the finances become a servant of that broader purpose. And our concern about people acting like jerks gets a little bit subsumed because we, mm -hmm. we're doing a thing here. Right. I, I, don't, I don't care what Jimbo thinks. We're, we're, we're doing a thing. Where we run into problems is when we have no purpose and we're kind of trying to do our own thing, but we're not really sure why. Yeah. And people are pointing out, you know, you're super not keeping up with the Joneses. And we, have right. to, and we have to admit, you're right, we're really not, and we're not really sure why that is, and now we're all freaked out. That's actually a recipe for unhappiness. What does that mean about us, Jed? What indeed, Mr. Younger, what right. indeed? <laughs> but if we will, as Matt is very wise to point out, if we'll say we have a shared purpose as a married couple, and everything in our life goes into meeting that purpose that the Lord has for us, then a lot of these questions get answered fairly organically on that way. Absolutely. I would uh, add to that the end of this idea of a partnership. Um, you're listening to, uh, at least the, the, on the end of the Married Guys of Chicago, uh, two guys who uh, do what they do in missionary work, which is not a lot of money missionary work these days, no. uh, whose wives have corporate jobs because they're very accomplished professional women. I don't know the numbers behind any of that. I don't want to know. I can guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but part of uh, these two men providing for their marriage and their families is... Uh, being there for their wives, building them up T to discount something like that is uh, mistaken and unbiblical and kind of chauvinistic because yeah. you're pointing out yeah. the idea that this this is the way men behave and this is the way women behave. Anytime somebody's giving you too much of that, it's uh, there's no way for that to be healthy. Yeah. As we were talking about in the last episode, very, very few things in the Bible entirely black and white. Yeah. And uh, none of that's in the Bible. So somebody's making that right. up on their own stuff. So these are the kind of things, as, as Jed is pointing out, when we're in church, one of the things that always should, be, should kind of be running through your head is, who's disqualifying themselves from me having to listen to their nonsense. Yeah. And when mm -hmm. someone comes that strong with something that uh, isn't biblical and is c purely cultural and purely things were better way back when they put themselves in that category pretty easily. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you can just uh, sit there and think about ice cream sandwiches. That's what <laughs> right. I often do. Oh, ice cream sandwiches sound delicious. I could go yes, for one right that's now. A tasty treat. Oh, George, you have thoughts about Proverbs. Well, you just <laughs> go ahead. Mm. Mm. Ice cream sandwiches understand me. That's just my gift to you guys. It's a good way to get through a lot of conversations. All right, we're going to move on to our final question here. It came in Maybe anonymously from Tumblr. And it says, I have a lot of opportunities to serve at my church, but I also get exhausted between work, life, and church stuff. I know I need community and service in my life, but I don't know when I should be looking for more, when I should be looking for less, or what it feels like to be at the right amount. Can you guys give me some guidelines? And Glenn, why don't you start us off on this? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the, the short, sweet answer is if you're burning out, it's too much. Uh, if, you, if your life lacks a sense of purpose and you're not doing quite enough. Uh, but that kind of leaves us with a whole lot in between. Well, before we get to the in-between, I think people, we, we get a sense of what lack of purpose is. What's the, what would you say the difference between burnout and being tired is? When does well, kind of, I don't have physical energy, I don't have emotional energy today. When, does, when in your, your life from Pee Wee Council would you say, this has lapsed into a longer-term burnout Yeah, situation? yeah. Well, I think, uh, not, to, not to answer jargon with another jargon word, but I... I would say when we lose a sense of that burden of love, uh, sure. You know, when it you, just becomes a chore, yeah, kind of yeah. When it when you know you're just cranking this out. I mean, for for me, I love my job more than I love breathing air. If there, if I wake up on a day and I'm, I just don't feel like doing this today, it's serious, mm -hmm. you know. 
and and maybe to be even more specific, it's when we get to a point where there's a pattern of I have no joy. That's right. Uh, yeah. Because you know, yeah. we, we all have here and there, you know, sure, you day, know a moment yeah. where it's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. But when we can't remember the last time we felt joy, that's for sure burnt yeah, out. Yeah, that's, that's, you have burnt out, yeah, at that point. And that's, you know, you've passed a good point to throw back there and what have you. And to, just so we can set our terms here, to to the point I know you're you're making and we continue to make, um, burnout is not a one time thing. It's not I am burned out, mm-hmm. so I quit everything. Right. That's Burn, right. Burnout is a, a a phrase. As you point out, it is jargon. Is a phrase we use to when you have gone too hard and you need to scale things back, take some time, and yep. that could be going a trip, that could be take a day off, that could sure. be whatever. But yeah, when, when we say burnout, we're not using it in the sense that maybe someone is saying of like I burned out, so I quit my job and went to the Himalayas. That's right, not that's what right. we mean. Yeah, we yeah. mean. I, I've realized I'm exerting myself too hard and I need to scale it back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I need to take a couple of months off and when I come back, I need to not do this much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, that, that leaves a lot of in-between. But here's, here's what I know about you Christians, and you know I love y'all, but y'all don't do good with in-between. Yeah. Uh-huh. If I say do it to the max or do it to the extreme. Spelled with an X. Yeah, you put an X in the front. Dash treme. Right. Uh, uh, although extreme starts with an E, but... Uh, not in my book. Not in the 90s it didn't. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, now, Glenn, are you saying my moderation conference is not going to succeed? <laughs> that's right. That's exactly Aww. right. Uh, the, so, so much of the Christian life is about balance. And it's about what is what lies between the extremes is where righteousness is, is yep. usually to be found. So uh, we're not terribly comfortable with that. The other thing I'll say, and I'll send it around to these other fellows, is... For us, we look at managing our schedule and juggling our schedule quite a little bit, and we're not uh, none of us in, on this uh, podcast are particularly good at that. We're trying. Uh, we are trying. There's lots of uh, looking at it and discussing it, and you know, late <clears> nights, <throat> and this should not continue. Kind of. Uh, move. Yes, you heard that, folks. Late nights talking about how we might get more rest. Yes. It's the best thought we have. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but. Uh, our thought, generally speaking, is it's not necessarily I need to work a whole lot less, although that needs to be part of the picture. What we're generally trying to look at is how can I work smarter? How can exactly. I how can That's I accomplish right. this with less overall effort? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, maybe give you a quick example. You know, we're, we're today. Uh, we went to a jailhouse, and they had kind of a, a situation where we weren't able to do our chapel service. So they did what they often do with us, which I think might be semi-designed to get us to just go away. It's not working. Uh, it's definitely not working. They just open a prison deck up. This is where the actual cells are. Where the cells is big day room, and the cells are all off of that day room. They just open the door, throw us in, and lock the door behind us. And um, then they yell, "Have fun storming the castle behind us!" Yeah, it's, exactly. It's Something, like, yeah. So just start from scratch and just minister to these brothers. Yeah. You know. Well, here's the thing: is that's um, it, that's hard to do. You know, just you know, hey, you don't know me, but I'm now would like to tell you about Jesus. But he, here's what happened: is we we worked a crowd and whatever. But there was one particular guy that I was able to strike up a conversation with, and we we got going. And he had a Bible with him, as it turns out, and he started pointing to different passages and 
saying, what does this mean, what does this mean, whatever. He knew what those things meant, but he was really just kind of putting me to the test and seeing what was going on with that. Jed kind of wandered up from a different conversation he was having, and uh, Jed was answering some of those questions, and and Pete from our staff uh, eventually sat down with us after he had done talking to some other guys. So we had the three of us are sitting there uh, uh, from our staff with one of the brothers from the deck, and he was, uh, and and we started talking about life and things, and we kind of got animated and telling stories about ourselves and and our struggles, and and oh yeah, that yeah, that's what like what this Bible verse says is relates to my situation, and it's exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, that, I was reading that the other day, and we're getting very excited, and and I, I'm telling him about you need to get out of here, and we're gonna take you to eat cheeseburgers. We're you know because this one brother lived pretty close to us and stuff. I said, we're going to go get some cheeseburgers. We're going to do this, man. And, and the other tables were playing cards, but they were kind of leaning a little bit, you know. And, what, you know, kind of, as, as we'd say in the neighborhood, they're ear hustling. You know, they're, they're listening in on our conversation. Uh, so then we get up to go to leave and all these other guys. Now they want to shake hands. They want yep. to get to know. Yep. Like, hey, you know, this, what, this sounds like a pretty cool deal. What are, okay. This was an intentional thing, though, on my part in terms of by having fun, showing that I'm having a fun conversation, a non-judgmental, a loving, animated uh, conversation that, that I'm, I'm there to give some joy and some encouragement to this guy. I'm sending a message to all these other guys. Mm, that's and, right. And, and uh, it's a simple little technique, a little trick that you learn. Uh, and you, if you do this for as long as I do and make all the mistakes, you eventually figure these little tricks out. Everybody else, you know, uh, is, is, you know, saw that and they're, you know, well, come back and holler at us. And whatever. Okay, so this is a smart way to get a whole lot of ministry done in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. That's what I need to gain. I don't need to, to work a whole lot less hours uh, and, and, and thereby be less effective. I need to be more effective with also a small number of hours, if that makes sense. So I need mentors and people who can guide me in that. Yeah, absolutely. Efficiency is often the thing we're looking for. Not, absolutely. Uh, not necessarily just less time on task. Or for people who don't do this for a living, we're just looking at volunteering, then uh, sometimes less time on task is exactly what's called for. It, That's right. It, it depends on, kind of depends on uh, the place you're in. Yeah, it kind of has to be a both-and kind of thing. Absolutely. And, Lee, I'd love you to, you to pick this up kind of with a— that focus on volunteers. You work at a church, you, you deal with more yep. volunteer labor than I do. The, one of the things, and uh, Triple C is really good about this, we work with some churches that are maybe less so, um, there's always stuff to do at a church. Yep. And yep. a lot of times what we found is if you, um, if you show up and you're happy to do it, they'll invite you to something else because they like having you around and you like doing stuff and we need people to do stuff. So eventually yep. you may have to, you have to be active on any of this stuff. And if, you want, if you're looking for more, if you're looking for less, you have to be active on that. So what does that look like within a church body? Well, one thing I can tell you is with um, this is probably true with most churches. It's definitely true with ours. There's a whole lot of people who show up on Sunday morning, and then there is a a small fleet of the doers mm. who uh, volunteer in all of the ministries. You know, they're on the meal team. They're uh, teaching the Sunday school classes. They're helping us get it set up and run the worship service. And and for the staff members, wind up leaning on those folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you start serving, you're going to find yourself uh, getting the opportunity to do a whole lot more of it. And exactly to this question, um, you know, the, 
and exactly what Jed and Glenn were saying in the very beginning, serving the Lord should give you a lot of joy. It should give you a sense of adventure and purpose. It should give you a sense of fulfillment, but it won't always feel like that. And that doesn't mean that you're not in the right spot. It doesn't mean that you're not in the right place. Sometimes it's going to feel like a sacrifice because that's also part of serving the Lord. And so the key, as these guys are saying, is finding the balance of how do I tap into that sweet spot of of joy, fulfillment, adventure, and also sacrifice. Yeah. Um, this is not a deal where uh, if you're not suffering, you're not serving the Lord, but there, there, you will sacrifice in, if you have a life where you're serving the Lord. And, and this is the part where it gets uncomfortable for a lot of Christians. And the reason is because finding the sweet spot involves having a living relationship with Jesus as a person. Yes. Um, so what, what Christians would like to hear on this is, tell me, based on a verse, you know, a chapter and verse, what the correct amount of volunteer ministry I should have in a church is. Give me uh, the the number of hours or the number of ministries that I should be involved in, the scope, the the range, all that kind of stuff. Tell me how many hours I should be serving. There is no chapter and verse for that. Um, this is the kind of thing where you need to. It, it's a fingerprint kind of thing. You need to be talking to Jesus about this. Yeah. Yeah. So w- w- the the way that we roll that out is is you start serving in something. Um, and then you, after you're done with that, you talk to the Lord about the way that you felt doing that, what that experience was like, what you learned in it, what you hope to get out of it in the future. Have a conversation. Jesus is a person and he wants to talk to you about all this stuff. Check in with him about it. If you do something where you're serving him and you feel like, man, cramming this one ministry that I'm being asked to do at church it's going to involve rearranging everything. And then when I tried it, it was a really difficult thing. I didn't really fit well with this team. And Lord, I just don't really know. Check in with him about it. He may say to you, I don't really want you in this spot right now. Yeah. So let's, let's dial this back. Here's what we do know from Scripture. Like I said, there's no clear-cut thing about this is how much you should be serving. What we do know from Scripture is that Jesus has something that he has made you to do. It says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. That's Ephesians 2.10. So we know that he has something for you to do. So we need to get better at checking in with him on that stuff. That means being honest about the way you felt doing the things. Uh, it means It means going to him and listening. It means talking to him about what you're interested in, what that burden of love that Glenn discussed earlier, all of those things. And then taking some time uh, to sit in an undistracted way and listen, specifically about, do you want me to serve in this capacity? And one thing that we know about, uh, if you want to grow in your capacity to listen to the Lord, we need to refine the questions that we're asking the Lord to answer as much as possible. Refine those questions and go to him about those and keep checking in, keep checking in. And, you know, get your emotions and stuff out of the way, write them down, all that kind of stuff. Get everything out of the way and take some time to listen. That's the part that a lot of Christians are uncomfortable with because we'd like this kind of manufactured 
structured world where we don't have to ask any questions. Yeah. Tell me what music to listen to, who to vote for, how much to serve, all that kind of stuff. But this is a fluid relationship, and that's what we want to get good at. Absolutely. That's a lot of really smart stuff. And Jed, maybe you can close us out looking at kind of this. Uh, I'd love to get a specific uh, question to you, which is, I think part of what's going on here is, as we talked about, people kind of ride the emotional highs and lows of this. But there could be a thing of when I started out on this, I didn't feel tired all the time, and now I do, and is it this? And um, unfortunately, it's a weird thing, but a lot of people, the uh, the thing they most want to jettison when they start feeling overwhelmed is whatever the big thing is. Sure. And volunteer work tends to fall into that slot because people say, well, I can't quit my job. I need right. my job. I'm obviously not going to let go. You know, if I'm married, it's not going to be that. So this, other than those two things, this is the thing that takes the most just raw number of hours of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me get rid of that. That may not be the best way to look at things. Are there little tweaks we can be looking to make that'll make a big difference? It's a sharp question. And I want to go back to something you said on a previous question this episode where you're saying in life, you never just add things. Mm-hmm. Life doesn't work that way. It's always we're rearranging in order to accommodate new things. So if something is coming in on some level, something else has got to go. One of the things that, and I believe Glenn used the word efficiency a couple minutes ago, and that's really, in many ways, that's one of the key things that Christians almost never look at, but it's a big part of of growth and maturity. You know, if you decide that you need to uh, change your eating habits, right, you're going to do something like a Weight Watchers program or whatever, one of the things you start zeroing in on is the idea of empty calories, what are the places where I'm consuming a lot of calories and I don't particularly like the food right. and I, I don't particularly want to be eating this stuff, but it just, it just works out that way. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't mind changing it. You know mm-hmm. I mean? So, I mean, an, an, an easy one is, you know, I always, you know, I always have a Coke at lunch, but I'm realizing there's actually a lot of calories in that and I don't mind diet Coke. So let me just do that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a small change, but if you can take it, that actually over the long term makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You know, just that one change. Well, time works actually the same way. There is the equivalent for most people, an enormous number of empty calories in terms of time in their lives. Mm-hmm. For most people, and I want to be clear, you, you think I'm about to make you feel guilty. That's not, that's not it. It's just mm-hmm. an observation. We all do we this. We have a sp- specific voice and character for that. This I, is not that. Legalistic Jed would make you feel guilty. I'm not bringing right. him out. Right, right, right. I want you to be set free. Right. So given that, I bet that you spend a lot more time on Facebook than you think you do. I bet you spend a lot more time browsing stuff online than you think you do. And I'm not telling you to stop it. What I'm saying is figure out what the threshold for your enjoyment is and stop there. Mm, I bet you right. enjoy 10 minutes of browsing stuff online, but you do it for 45. Right. The trick is stop after 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I bet you enjoy one episode of Parks and Rec on Netflix, but you end up watching six. The trick is stop after that one episode. And I think it's a very sharp thing. It's just because people are so attuned to hearing the guilt, and we appreciate that. It's worth just really hanging a light on pointing out this is not um, here is the number of minutes threshold before this is unhealthy or any of that. It's you enjoy an amount of this. You watch 10 episodes of something back to back. You're not going to catch all of it. It's all going to bleed together. Yeah. Facebook is a really good example. Mm-hmm. And there's also an enjoyment of, you only have so much emotional energy to sink into. Absolutely. Stuff like this stuff. Uh, something like uh, social media can be super fun as a distraction. 
and you look at some interesting stuff and a cute video and then but that served its purpose yes when you're still on it you're giving emotional uh emotional energy that it does not require to that absolutely process. right absolutely right the, the thing really that we want to be asking ourselves is is this a good investment mm-hmm. right we talked about you know you're doing the weight watchers thing for a second if you say no i like coca-cola don't don't play me with that Diet Coke stuff. That's nonsense. I, I, that's the high point of my day is that frosty Coke for lunch. Well, then that's a great investment of 140 calories. Right, right. Don't change that. Take right, that right. take that out of something else. Keep right, keep right, the right. Coke. If you say, you know, I spend 45 minutes on Facebook and it's the highlight of my day. It's my favorite thing to do. Don't change that. You sure. know, keep that. But we all have places where we're doing things way past the point where we're enjoying them. We're just kind of, in a mechanical sense, just, con- you know, we just got momentum going. I'm just on mm-hmm. this. And just as making a couple changes in your diet can yield huge results in physical fitness, a couple changes in your schedule, freeing up an hour here, an hour there, 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there, it can make an unbelievable difference mm-hmm. in how not stressed you are, in how rested you are, in how not burned out you are. So the reason all that's important is, uh, as Matt said a moment ago, we have a way of thinking, I'm burned out, therefore I got to get rid of something big. I got too much right. on my plate, I got rid of it. Sometimes we do, but a lot mm. of the time it's actually about saying, where am I wasting stuff? Where am yeah. I making bad investments with my time? And I'm putting in two hours, but I'm only getting 20 minutes of enjoyment out of right, it. Right, and how, right. do I, how do I find those things and isolate them so I free up some of those time resources to invest in things that I care about and I'm getting a good return on those investments? Absolutely right. I think you got a lot of good perspective on an issue that we all deal with. And we're, you're listening to four guys in the studios from professional lives, but there's also stuff we volunteer with and stuff we kind of dabble in. And uh, it's a constant balancing act. It's a bit like we were talking about with the, uh, the question earlier about that, about uh, not, you can't just add things to life that doesn't work. It's a constant balancing act and you got to dial it down and dial it up and uh, be attuned to where you are. And the, the other thing this has in common with the first question is the guilt is not going to help. No. An idea of, well, I should do more, because Pastor got up there on Sunday and talked about how uh, if we don't have more Sunday school teachers, the children just aren't going to get saved. Right. That's, that's not your responsibility. There's a yeah. thing of, um, and we do it, we have, volu- we have uh, amazing volunteers who come help us out of the bridge, they come every week for hosting, we have some people who are more involved to do some great stuff with us, but uh, we, uh, and this all comes down from Glenn, we, we try to be keenly aware that we can't expect them to have the same... Uh, dedication or passion that we do because this is our thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is not their thing. It's unfair to put that on them. Mm-hmm. And the same way, if you're a volunteer, that's great. That's a wonderful thing. It's something you should do for your own development. It's not fair for uh, a church or a ministry or someone to say, well, we you know, really can't do this without you, so why mm-hmm. don't you reconsider? Right, right, right. right. Um, who needs to sleep eight whole hours? That seems <laughs> right. selfish. Right, right, right. And right. again, and there are plenty of churches who would love to have you as a volunteer who aren't going to put that on you. That's kind of yeah. thing. We need to be looking at, but we know that's not an option for everybody. So again, this is a thing where you really need to, uh, you, no one's going to be responsible for this, but you, hopefully if you have a spouse or a really close mentor, they're going to help you kind of gauge those things, but Mm -hmm. no one's going to go to pastor and say, I I would love to help with the VBS, but it's just not going to happen this year because I don't have the time and Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep doing the Sunday school. I'm going to keep doing the greeting team and I'm happy to do it, but there's no more, there's no more, uh, water to be taken from the stone. So Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that's where we are. No one's going to do you, and you're not a bad person for doing it. We all have our limits, and as Lee pointed out, churches are trying to do a lot of cool stuff, and if you don't tell them that you're not interested, they have no reason to assume that. So, right, that's Again, right. this is a case where speaking up really pays dividends. All right, I'm going to take you out with a song this week before we do that. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. 
Christmasmusicbusiness.com. We're going to take you out with a little, uh, we're going to do a little Christmas in the summer this Ooh. year. You may have heard us mention that uh, it's quite warm here in Chicago. And uh, we make the Chris- we make Christmas music that we like, which yeah. for the three of us in Chicago is a bit of a rarity. This is uh, Lee's wife, Christy, with a take on a really cool old Christmas hymn called Nations That Long and Darkness Walked. It's a, yeah. it's a super fun song Ooh. on its own, but it's also a, uh, a little mental respite from the heat. So yeah. Take out that. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Just remember, Lee, love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast where at least three quarters of the on-air talent cares about America. Nations that long in darkness walked Have now seen a glorious light On them who dwell in shades of death The light shines heavenly bright From all the virgin's child is born The Son of God is given Shall fall.